Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Good afternoon. Just past 4 at the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in. Forecasts calling for a, a cloudy evening ahead. 93 the high the rest of the day, but we may get a shower late tonight. Tomorrow looks to be a lot cloudier after a low of 70 this evening. A high of just 80 tomorrow, but a few showers are likely. Phil's 1-5-2 last night. They're at Miami tomorrow night, and the Eagles home this evening against Baltimore. Preseason football, game number three for them. We are jumping right into the show with both feet first. We have a very special guest we want to give as much time to as possible. Dr. W. Wilson Good Sr., our guest. How you doing? Thank you so much. I'm really pleased to be here. We are very thankful that you made the trip in. So we have our coffee and our water, and we're able to chat a bit. We can talk with coffee and water. It works. <laughs> well, folks, of course, know you for many different roles, including your time as mayor in Philadelphia. We can chat about that some, too. Uh, but we had the privilege of meeting a few months back at a special breakfast with uh, A.R. Bernard, who was in from New York. During that time, I got more aware of some work you're currently doing, and we definitely wanted to take time for that. So maybe we could start with that, front and center, uh, the mentoring that you are, are involved with and so passionate about, Amachi Mentoring. Uh, let me say that when I left office in January of 1992, yeah. I went to work for the U.S. Department of Education as a deputy assistant secretary because my interest was in helping young people to develop into all that they could become. And I spent seven years there. And in the year 2000, John DiGiulio, a professor at the University of Pennsylvania and public-private venture, an agency that worked with trying to work with young people who had issues and asked me whether or not I would leave Washington and come to help set up a program for children of the incarcerated. Hmm. Up until 2000, children of incarcerated parents were invisible. People knew about the parents who went off to prison, but no one up until that time really ever thought about the family and especially about the children. And when I was asked to come, I uh, immediately became interested because I am the son of an incarcerated parent. My father went to prison, uh, and I know what it is like to have a parent in prison. So we organized the Amachi program, Amachi is a Nigerian Igbo word that means who knows but what God has brought us through this child. And it really is a name of a girl. Uh, and it means uh, look what God has given us in this girl, in this child. Hmm. And we started out working in Philadelphia uh, and we worked in four sections of the city, Southwest, South Philadelphia, North Philadelphia, and West Kensington. And we 
were able to discover some things about these children. The first one is that 75% of the children with a parent in prison will likely end up in prison themselves. Wow. And what we wanted to do was go on rescue mission to rescue these children from a life in prison because their parents our parents were in prison. And we were able to establish this program first through 42 local churches in Philadelphia. Mm. We were able to get churches to work with us to recruit within the congregation volunteers that would be able to become mentor one hour once a week or two hours twice a month for at least one year. Okay. And, and that's important, uh, the one hour once a week or two hours twice a month for at least one year is important. And one year is important because research shows that unless you stay there for a year, the children may regress. And what we learned from our work is that two-thirds of the children who has a mentor in their life for a year, that two-thirds of them will improve their grades, two-thirds of them will improve their behavior, Hmm. two-thirds of them will improve their school attendance, and 90% of them will form better relationships uh, with their parents, adults in their lives, with their siblings, and with their peers. So we were able to take the program from those uh, four sections of Philadelphia. And over the past 19 years, do work in every single state. And we've been able to uh, literally mentor 350,000 children uh, in all 50 states. And we know that it works because of the research that was done, because of the statistics I mentioned, about two-thirds of them improving their lives in many ways. So the program works in that we go into the prisons and we talk with parents who are incarcerated. Mm. And we ask the parents for the caregiver's name and for the names of their children because there are very few states and very few locations where you can go and find the names of children uh, parents who are incarcerated. So when the parent uh, is incarcerated, uh, the children become invisible. Wow. Uh, and therefore, there's no way to reach them. And what the Amachi program did was put on the map that there were, at that time, 10.7 million children with one of both parents either in prison mm-hmm. or on some type of probation or parole. 10.7 million children wow. Uh, throughout the country. And so what we were trying uh, to do was uh, change the trajectory of these children's lives, to change the trend, to say that uh, we believe that we can rescue these children that because they live in a neighborhood or live in a household with one of both parents in prison, uh, that we believe by intervention with a loving, caring adult, primarily through churches working with these children that we can change 
the direction of these children's lives. And I'm pleased that after uh, almost 20 years that we are able to say that we believe that there are tens of thousands of children uh, across this country who have avoided going to prison because of the involvement of these local churches. By the way, that we know that we have uh, about 6,000 churches have been involved across the country over these last uh, 19 years. And because of that, we know uh, that there has been a significant uh, number of change, not only in the lives of the children, but in in the lives of those who are mentoring the children as well. Uh, The great comment I get most of the time uh, from adults who spent years with these children coming up and thanking me and said, I was one of your mentors in this program, in this church. Uh, Thank you for what was done. Dr. W. Wilson Good Sr., our in-studio guest on the Tim DeMoss Show, the mayor of Philadelphia from 1984 to 1992. We've been talking about the Amachi mentoring work he's done since he's been in office the past 20 years or so. Quick break. We'll come back, continue our conversation on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. It's the Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening. 411 on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Pleased to have Dr. W. Wilson Good Sr. in studio, former mayor of Philadelphia. Been uh, starting our time together this hour talking about the main thing you've been up to since your days as mayor, the Amachi mentoring work, which is in all 50 states now, right? But it started right here in Philadelphia? It started actually, it was the brainchild of Dr. John DiUlio, who was a professor at one point at Princeton University and then came to Philadelphia. And when he was at Princeton, he had a different view of these children. Hmm. He called them super predators. Uh, and when he came to Penn, somewhere in the, the late 1990s, 97, 98, he flipped totally and had this idea hmm. of bringing together Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Prison Fellowship, uh, the public-private ventures, and the University of Pennsylvania to do something about these children that was positive. And he called me to come in to create a program. Wow. And so we created a program that is known uh, in every state, and, and children of the incarcerated are no longer invisible. They are very visible, and there are people all across the country, mayors and governors, who know The very first governor, incidentally, who uh, adopted the program was Governor Rick Perry of Texas Hmm. and who set up a program called Amachi, Texas. Wow. It must be. And I I was thinking there's a lot of things you said that that brought questions to mind. One is the parents uh, who are incarcerated. What was their feeling when they were approached? I would think that they would be very excited in a way like someone's going to help because I can't. Uh, let me tell you two things. Yeah. One is that the very first prison program I did was in Philadelphia. And it was in um, a kind of safe house, I guess I would call it, for women. And it was uh, at university. It used to be a, a, a motel on University Avenue right near Penn. 
And I recall going there, very first visit with parents and inmates. And I walked in and I said to them, I'm here on behalf of your children. Hmm. I'm here to represent your children. I'm here to speak for your children because they cannot speak for themselves. And I got at least a three or four minutes done in ovation. (laughs) Wow. And the second thing I would say is that I used to go to the prison, the women's prison in Philadelphia, up on State Road. And I used to, uh, early on, went into the chaplain's office. And in the chaplain's office, I looked, and there were nothing but photographs of children Hmm. around the walls because the inmates could not keep photos of the children in their cells. Really? Do you know why Uh, that was? I don't know. That's crazy. uh, It seems like it would be uh, harmless enough to have a picture of your – but anyway. uh, They they could not keep them in their cells. So they put them in the chaplain's office. Yeah. And every hour or so, there was someone coming in the chaplain's office looking at the photos of their children mm. and sometimes walking away with tears in their eyes, of just looking at the photos of their children. The other thing I would say as I went around the country to recruit children from parents, I would say to the warden in the prisons, don't introduce me. Don't tell them who I am. Hmm. Don't tell them that I'm the former mayor of Philadelphia. Don't don't say anything except there's someone here to talk with you about your children. Okay. He said, and, and they said, you sure this is going to work? I said, it's going to work. Okay. And I would walk in. I would give the same speech. I'm here be- on behalf of your children. I'm here to represent your children. I'm here to speak for your children. Wow. No introduction. Didn't know who I was. Standing ovation. They gave me the names of their children without knowing who I was by name. And then I would introduce myself at the end and tell them who I was. Because I I wanted to show to the prison officials how passionate these parents were uh, about their children. And... Wow, that's that's a great story. That's amazing. That shows the like the, the deep heart's cry of a parent. But the other interesting thing I would say this, and disappointing to some extent, is that I did not find anything similar to fathers who had children. And I went to male prisons, and the result of of the male was much more suspicious, much more uh, reserved, Hmm. uh, much more secretive. The reason was that there were multiple families. There were fathers in prison with multiple children by multiple women in multiple situations. Some of them were in there on support orders, and some were in there... um, uh, not on support orders, but did not know want anyone to know where they were. So I found a yeah. different situation. Not with all, not with all fathers, but but I'm saying that right. by and large, eighty percent of the 
children that we recruited in the prison came from the mothers, not from the fathers, in our program. Very interesting. Right. Very interesting. Dr. W. Wilson Good Sr., our in-studio guest today on the Tim DeMoss Show. You're listening to AM560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Uh, just chatting about, uh, for now, the Amachi mentoring work you've been doing since being the mayor of Philadelphia. Where to from here with regard to Amachi mentoring? We are moving within the next year. Okay. Uh, both physically <laughs> and we're moving uh, in terms of what Amachi Inc. does, uh, and that is we're going to deal with uh, training, advocacy, and research. We believe at this point, as we celebrate 20 years uh, next September, and uh, after 20 years, we believe that we've done enough to create enough organizations in the country to carry this work out. And we do not believe that the mother ought to be competing with the children, which means we don't <laughs> believe that we who created the program yeah. should be out there creating, uh, looking for funding in the same area that the organization that we created are looking for funding. And so we are going to not do mentoring directly ourselves okay. uh, after uh, September 1st of 2020. Uh, which will make 20 okay. years since I uh, started this work. That's beautiful. Uh, so over the next year, we're going to kind of evolve into speaking like I'm doing here, yeah. uh, advocating for these children, uh, talking about the research, because most people don't know that there are 10.7 million children in this country with one of both parents in prison under some type of federal or state supervision. Dr. W. Wilson, uh, a good senior, is our guest um, in studio. It's a special time for us today. We'll just take a quick break, continue that conversation. It's Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL, WFIL.com. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560, WFIL. Email D at WFIL.com. It's 422 on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Thanks for tuning in. By the way, you can get the podcast of this program after the show around uh, 536 o'clock once we get it up on the cloud, if you will. So help yourself to that if you like. Uh, Dr. W. Wilson Good Sr., our special in-studio guest. We have a lot yet to talk about, but just to wrap up the Amachi mentoring work to children of incarcerated parents the past 20 or so years you've been doing, would that be considered your quote unquote, you know, main thing since your time as the mayor of Philadelphia? Between that and my work with the U.S. Department of Education in the 1990s and this, uh, the two major things I've done okay. is work with children. Okay. First through nationwide with the Department of Education, trying to improve the reading levels uh, and math level of children, and then trying uh, since 2000 to rescue these children from a life in prison. Yeah. I was going to say, related to this, this is another direction we could go. People can obviously pray for the work, uh, and I know that that certainly would not be turned uh, down by you. I, be- <laughs> I, I believe in prayer, and I believe that we are where we are because I can tell you that as a son of an incarcerated father, that I would not be where I am without my local church, the First Baptist Church of Pasco, 
the first lady uh, who in 1954 kind of adopted me. And when my high school counselor said, don't even think about college, you got a father in prison and you came from the farm here, my church family uh, said, we're going to send you to college and sent me off to college. It was that mentoring over these years that has made me the man that I am and caused me to go from perhaps a life in prison like my father had and uh, to one of being a very successful in many, many areas of life. Yeah, isn't it amazing to think about the trajectory? You mentioned that word earlier. You being just one person, how instead of perhaps winding up incarcerated, you're helping liberate so many and and really nurture thousands across the country. Just one, you know, you trace it back and think of how amazing God's work is in that. It's amazing how God can work through one person to uh, do incredible work in millions. Uh, and I use that word, uh, it's, it's amazing how God can take one person who's faithful to him and who is faithful to his work and who does not forget how they got here. It's amazing uh, what can be done through that person and the uh, things that can be created through that person and the lives that can be rescued through that person. I wanted to bring that up or reiterate that because I think it's easy for anybody who's listening to feel like they don't matter that much one way or the other. Sometimes they're just in the middle of, they're not on TV, they're not on the radio, they don't have, some people don't feel like they have a platform. But I, I, I remember 1 Corinthians, it says in chapter 15, verse 58, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know your labor in him is never in vain. And so yeah. you can feel like whatever I am, wherever I am, if I, even if I'm not able to get out of the house, I can still use the life God gives me. And he will take that and he'll make an outward ripple <laughs> far and wide if our hearts are aligned with, you know, with his. Yeah, I turned 81 on Monday and on Sunday I told a group <laughs> in, in a sermon that I'm still standing and I still got a lot left. Yes. I was going to say happy birthday. I noticed that it was your birthday this week. My father is 91, and he yeah. says it's advanced middle age. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, advanced middle age. I'm, I'm going to use that term. Thank you for sharing that with me. Sure thing. How did you, and, and you mentioned your church background, but at what point in your in your life did you take hold of things for you know, personally and know the Lord? Uh, I, I have to say this to you that uh, I grew up in the South. Yeah. in the segregated South, and we were sharecroppers, hmm. uh, which is one step removed from slavery. Uh, and we worked a farm uh, for the first 16 years of my life, and the landowner took 80%, and we took 20% to live off. And so as a young man, I moved uh, a lot. Hmm. But the the only constant thing in wherever we moved to was that we belonged to the Mount Zion Baptist Church in Seaboard, North Carolina. And every second Sunday of the month, I only had service once a month because as pastor they had, had three other churches at other Sundays. Wow. And so we went to church on the second Sunday. I remember being baptized 
in the Jordan River, not in Israel, but in Seaboard, North Carolina, yeah. uh, river called Jordan, and uh, not a pool, but in a river. And, uh, and I cannot remember not having a close relationship to God since I was 12 years old. Hmm. Uh, I can't believe not having faith that God will work things out, no matter how bad things got on the farm since I was 12 years old. It is, it is that experience that brought me where I am today and that belief that God will work it out no matter what it is. Dr. W. Wilson Good, Sr., our guest, former mayor of Philadelphia. And maybe you could just uh, give us a bit of a brush from those years to, because uh, you would also mention your father being incarcerated. Is there a, a timeline there where the family shifted in terms of what you were doing, the sharecropping versus shifting in toward you know, college and political life that you wound up doing in Philadelphia and other in, places? In 1954, on New Year's Eve, uh, 1953, the family left uh, North Carolina and arrived in Philadelphia. Wow. And uh, the first day, January, January 1st, 1954, we moved into a home on Upland Street in southwest Philadelphia. Okay. And into a home with two other families. Uh, and we had six people in our family at that time. And I um, started going to John Bartram High School. I was uh, 15 then, about to turn uh, 16 that year. And joined the First Baptist Church of Paschal, which was down the street from me. Yeah. And that happened the first Sunday we went to church. My mother did not ask us anything before going to church. At church, we sit beside her. She grabs us all by the hand and said, we're joining church. Hmm. Uh, and I think that that decision that my mother made for me was a critical decision in my life. It was from that church uh, that the important things, the First Baptist Church of Pasco, that the important things happened in my life. That when my high school counselor told me, don't think about college, mm. my church family said, you're going to college. Wow. And we're going to send you to college. Dr. W. Wilson Good Sr., our in-studio guest on the Tim DeMoss Show today. Thanks for tuning in. More to come in just a moment. AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Live and local, it's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. It's 4.33 in the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. Thank you for tuning in this afternoon. Forecast calling for the sunny, kind of humid thing for a while yet. 93 the high down to 70 tonight as clouds move in. Looks like uh, maybe a shower here or there, and tomorrow appearing to be kind of cloudy for a good chunk of the day and a few showers, thunder showers likely. A lot cooler, we'll take that. 80 the high tomorrow, and similarly over the weekend. Kind of back and forth with the clouds and sun, maybe a shower or two, but in the 80-degree uh, range Saturday and Sunday. So, again, we'll take that. Uh, Phillies 5-2 over Boston last night. Bryce Harper is 27th homer of the year. They're a game and a half out of the wild card with 36 games to go. They're at Miami tomorrow night uh, starting a series, and the Eagles home this evening against Baltimore, preseason football game number three for them. 
From the creators of War Room, the Kendrick brothers return to the big screen August 23rd, which is tomorrow with Overcomer. John Harrison is a frustrated coach questioning his value until he crosses paths with a student struggling on her own journey. Starring Alex Kendrick and Priscilla Shirer, this film is rated PG. Visit OvercomerMovie.com. Dr. Wilson, uh, W. Wilson Good Sr., is our very special guest in studio. And before the break, we were talking about your path to college, how your high school counselor said forget about it, uh, but how your church said you are going to college. We're going to help it happen. Just to back up a second, though, where were you in terms of your, with your overall family, the birth order? Did you have other siblings? or I have five siblings older than me, and okay. I have had one younger. Okay. Uh, and there are, at this point, uh, three of us left, uh, three uh, brothers, uh, two brothers uh, and myself, both older than I am Okay. Uh, at this point. So I was, uh, I was what you call the knee baby. I was uh, <laughs> uh, next to the youngest. Uh, right. And my youngest brother passed about 18 months ago. Hmm. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, but I think that the, the key was that I ended up in college because my church uh, that, that had mentored me and tutored me insisted that I belong in college. I was working in a tobacco factory at 68th and Greenway Avenue. The American Tobacco Company was there. And a, a half block from where I moved uh, when I moved to Philadelphia in 1954. And there's two things I want to say the first one is that, that when I was I was sworn in to mayor sworn in as mayor to mayor yeah. sworn in as mayor 30 years to the day from when I arrived in Philadelphia wow 30 years January 1st 1984 January 1st 1954 the second thing I want to say is that when I was elected mayor, it was a half a block from the American Tobacco Company <laughs> oh, no at, way. at 69th and Greenway Avenue. I was living in a house a half block from the American Tobacco Company where I had my first job out of high school and where I left and went off to college and came back and was elected mayor of the city from that very same house a half block away. And so I, uh, I believe that, that God just directs our lives in a way that we never know what's going to happen. And so I just take it all in strides. I, said that, you know, I just said, thank you, God. You know, there's nothing else I can do. Nothing, I didn't have anything to do with any of this. Uh, it was all God. And I believe that. I, 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 people say, how do, how do you do all these things? How do you become uh, a member and then chairman of the PUC? How do you become managing director? How do you become mayor of the then fourth largest city in the country? I say it's all God because there's nothing that can explain it other than God's intervention in my life. I cannot explain it any other way. In 1978, in 1978, I was running a nonprofit housing agency, a nonprofit housing agency. I was happy. I received a call from the governor's uh, office in Harrisburg 
and said the governor wants you to become a member of the Pennsylvania public utility. I'm not political. In, in that sense, I was, not, I was not someone who supported the governor. I was active involved in his campaign. Uh, a month later, I was confirmed four to eight to nothing by the state senate. It became the first African-American member of the Pennsylvania PUC. That just came out of nowhere. You hadn't... Came out of nowhere. In, in, in October of that year, October 13th, Friday, October 13th yes. of 1978, I was appointed by the governor as chairman of the Pennsylvania Public Utility Commission. Two years later, I was city's managing director, appointed by Bill Green, the first African-American in that position. And on Election Day, 1982, uh, William Green, who was mayor at the time, yeah. called me up and said, I want, I'm not running for mayor. What are you going to do? I said, I'm running for mayor. And he laughed. He should have laughed. He said, do you have any money? I said, no. Do you have an organization? I said, no. I said, but I'm running. Other than that. Other, other than that, uh, I, I ran and defeated Frank Rizzo for mayor. I mean, not once but twice. Right. I'm not saying that in a, in a uh, way because Frank Rizzo had been unbeatable until that time. Sure. And so what, what I'm saying is that God put that in front of me as, a, as service and so after, after the mayor's office, I had no interest in trying to go off and make big dollars and become rich, as many people try and do. Sure. But I wanted to give back. And so the Department of Education was the first thing, and then the Amache program was the second thing. And I'm also running a program, the largest homeless shelter program in the city. I'm the chair and CEO a day-to-day operation has been run by a man by the name of Mike Henson. Uh, the program is called Self, Inc. We house uh, 6,000 uh, people every night uh, in uh, seven shelters we have around, uh, around the city. And I run something called the Philadelphia Leadership Foundation, uh, the chairman and CEO of that, that bring together uh, urban and suburban uh, Christians to try and solve urban problems facing uh, people in the city of Philadelphia. Dr. Uh, w. Wilson Good Sr. is our guest at uh, WFIL Studios here. It's a Tim DeMoss show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. And just to back up one second, when you were doing that nonprofit, when you got the call from the governor's office, it was a – what was the, the nonprofit about? The nonprofit was the Philadelphia Council for Community Advancement, okay. known as PCCA. I was actually working at that time to help primarily local churches build low and moderate income houses. Okay. And between 1968 and 1978, when I left to take the PUC job, we built 2,000 housing units in the metropolitan area. In fact, we built, in that 10-year time frame, more houses in Philadelphia than the housing authority and (laughs) folks built in Philadelphia. Wow. With local churches. (laughs) Excuse me. So, with local churches. So, so you've been doing that for a long time. That's the path you thought you might be on for some time. The the whole political path was not... 
I thought I was going to retire from PCCA running that, and I was, I was, I became president when I was 28 years of age. So I thought that was going to be my life's work. Yeah. I loved it. And the one thing about building houses is you can't fake it. Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Looks pretty good. No, no, you can't <laughs> fake it. But what I, what I mean, you can't fake it. You cannot say you did something and put it on paper unless you can go and look at it. See, yeah. there's nothing here. There's now a house there. So we did the housing, and yeah, we did the housing. But would you say your work in, in as a, as mayor and also in, in public life? If I'm I'm just taking a guess, I think it's an educated one that it's it was based partly obviously on your faith and also on the desire to serve. That, that if you're really a servant, that that that's what motivated you to to do it, even to run for mayor. Did was that a big part of wanting to improve? Because uh, you've been doing that for the housing. I think that that there's no question that it's all the same. Uh, it's it's the same journey. It's service. If you look at my life's work before and after the mayor's job, it's all about service. It's not about trying to uh, accumulate wealth. It's about how can we distribute wealth? How can we work with people? And I said to people that I wanted to go from success uh, as mayor to significance. And so I wanted to leave uh, what was a very successful life uh, and do something significant. And I think helping children who are incarcerated, helping homeless men and women who do not have anyone else to speak for them are the two most significant things I can do because the children of the incarcerated are the most at-risk children in our society because not only do they have the same issues that other people in poverty have, but they also have a parent, our parents in prison, uh, the most at-risk. I wanted to work with them. I wanted to work with people who are homeless. Uh, and I wanted to do that, and I'll just tell you this quick story. Sure. Uh, when I was living on a farm, this is around 1952, so I would have been at, at that time about uh, 13 years of age. Uh, a hobo, uh, you know what a hobo is? Sure. Uh, came to our house because they didn't call them homeless then. Came to our house, a white man knocked on the door and said to my mother, who was fixing supper, I'm hungry. And my mother never hesitated. Never hesitated, even in the segregated South, a white man coming to a black sharecropping home. Uh, My mother never hesitated, called him in, gave him a big plate of food. And I had a little attitude. I thought he was going to eat our supper. But then, then all of a sudden, something happened on the inside of me. I saw the compassion. I saw the compassion of my mother. Mm. And I saw her love for humanity. And I had saved about 50 cents in 
pennies and nickels and dimes and under my mattress, and I hid it from my brothers. <laughs> and, and, and I went and grabbed that and ran after him, shouting, Mr. Hobo, Mr. Hobo. And he stopped and turned around, and I gave him that 50 cents, my life saving at that time. So I'm not surprised that I ended up as managing director uh, creating the first homeless program for Philadelphia. And I'm not surprised that I'm now working with that population because I think that children of the incarcerated for children are the most at risk and homeless people who don't have anywhere to go are the most at risk in our society. And that's where I want to be at this point in my life. Wow. Good stuff. Dr. W. Wilson Good Sr., our special in-studio guest on the Tim DeMoss Show. Listen to AM560, WFIL, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. We have one more break. We'll come back and conclude our time together here on WFIL. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560, WFIL, and WFIL.com. AM560, WFIL, WFIL.com. It's Tim DeMoss Show coming down the home stretch. Dr. W. Wilson Good Sr., our very special in-studio guest. Uh, just as we kind of recap things, any any kind of closing thoughts you'd like to share? God knows best, and he knows what he wants us to do. He knows why he created us. He knows what our assignment is. If God gives you an assignment, don't complain. Just do it, <laughs> yeah. and he will crown you with success. Ephesians 2.10 comes to mind where it says, uh, Yeah. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do yeah. good works, which he prepared yeah. ahead of time yeah. for us to do. Well, it's, it's been a pleasure having you uh, here. For those just tuning in, Dr. W. Wilson Good Sr., former mayor of Philadelphia, also working with Amachi Mentoring for the last 20 years, and uh, the Philadelphia Leadership Foundation and SELF, which is a homeless shelter organization. I think you said 6,000 nights are getting yeah. care for that. 600. 600, sorry, and seven <laughs> Uh, seven shelters yes. throughout the, the region among the work that you're doing. Throughout um, the city. Uh, throughout the city. The city specifically. Yeah. Well, so I was Only go- in the city. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I was going to ask what you do with your spare time, <laughs> just on a lighter note for hobbies and things, but do you have any time for those things? Uh, I actually I actually preach about 30 sermons a year really? at various churches around the area. Okay, uh, and I uh, do about another seventy-five public speaking engagements uh, beyond that. Okay, so that's a fun. That's fun. You're advancing the cause, if you will. I, I am. I am. There's a uh, in in Psalms. I think it's Psalms seventy-one, seventeen, and eighteen. It says, "God, you took care of me when I was young. Now that I'm old and gray." Do not take me away until I'm able to share what I've learned with those who come behind me. That's beautiful. I love it. I love it that you could do that here today. And we have the podcast. It'll be available after the show so people can can listen to it over and over. And on that note, maybe you could just share anything. I'd, I'd like to do this. Anyone who – I'm 51. Anyone who is beyond me specifically for sure age-wise to say step back and say you've, lear- you've learned a lot over the years, I'm sure – and you step back and think, if you could encourage people who are listening with whatever comes to mind, whether it's within the Christian faith or about and or how that affects living life uh, to consider, 
any any words of wisdom or things you've observed that you would you would pass along? Uh, there's three things that I would say. One is is that at the end of the day, when there are all kinds of issues out there, all kind of people doing all kinds of things, to remember it's not about who they are; it's about who you are and be who you are and do what God assigned you to do and you will not have any time to complain. Hmm. The The second thing is, is that God put us here to serve others. He gave us an assignment. When the assignment is given to you and it may be hard, you may have to work at it, all day long and all of that. And you may think that this is too hard for me. If God give you an assignment, you will succeed if you work at it and be faithful to God. And you will surprise even yourself at your success. Hmm. The uh, third thing that, and final thing that I would say is that it is possible. It is absolutely possible. And I use the term that if you can see the invisible, that you can do the impossible, that there is no limit on what you can do uh, with God on your side. And so just keep at it and it will surprise you, but it will never surprise God because God knew it all along. Amen. If I can throw one PS to our chat here, like writing a letter and saying, oh, by the way, when you step back now also and and you look at the time you were in office in Philly and the city of Philadelphia now, just speaking about the region, what do you see? Things that have maybe some positives that happened during your time in office and since maybe some areas that need work and just and then people can take that however they take it to maybe get involved in some shape or form. The uh Two things I see that I remain very concerned about in the city that I wish I would have done more and could have done more. The first one is the poverty facing this city. So much uh, wealth in the city, so many things going right in the city, so many incredible gains made over the last 40 years in the city uh, since uh uh, 1980, so much uh, positive stuff, but the poverty, the poverty rate in this city, uh, is of great concern to me, hmm. uh, and I'm not sure how we solve it. Okay, uh, but I do know how we solve it, which it brings my second point. Yeah, and the second point is that we have to fix the education system in this city. We have to ensure that every single child that starts school uh, starts school with the ability to read uh, and write. Uh, And I believe that if we can have every child uh, be able to read and write at fourth grade level, by the fourth grade, that we can change the poverty rate and change the outcome for millions of people to come in the future in this city, it all starts, in my view, with education. And we're not getting where we need to be at this point. Okay. 
Good thoughts. Very good. Thank you again for coming in today. Real privilege to have you in and to hear uh, your story and your and your, the wisdom you have and your faith in the Lord and all those things together. It's. Uh, I'm glad you came to Philly. You, you know, did you say why you came to Philly? What it was that led you guys to come from South, was it North Carolina, right? My sister moved here first, and she sent for us. Okay. And said, y'all need to leave that farm and come here. We're glad you did. Yeah. I'm I'm (laughs) glad I did, too. (laughs) Well, happy birthday also, once again. And again, our guest today, uh, Dr. W. Wilson Good, senior former mayor of Philadelphia, and with the Amachi Mentoring Program for the last 20 years or so, Philadelphia Leadership Foundation, and uh, SELF, which is a homeless shelter uh, network really here in Philadelphia that has uh, helps many people every day. You can grab the podcast of today's show at WFIL.com. The hardest working producer, Joe Harnett, well, between 4.02 and 4.58.50. He, uh, he'll have that podcast up momentarily. Download it, share it. Feel free to let friends know about the program tomorrow. Our famous Friday show awaits. Stephen Bishop, singer-songwriter, lots of hits over the years, including On and On, and It Might Be You will join us. We'll have our world-famous Now That's Punny segment, giveaways, and a lot more. So uh, drop in and lend an ear if you would. That's tomorrow on our program. Jim Maxim, Acts 413 Ministries, leads in prayer next. Have a wonderful evening. God bless, and thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com.